Hello there, listeners. This is your host and your girl, Christine, coming back at you with another episode of Pulsing Black. Today, I am so excited. Just for time perspective sake, this is the day after we found out that Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was elected to be our new Madam Vice President. We couldn't be any more excited. I mean, we could be as excited as her sorrels, but anyway, I digress. But in that spirit, in that vein, I am joined today by two incredible Black men who are fraternity brothers of the Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And I'm so excited to talk to them and learn about Greek life and learn about how it has shaped their journeys and even their identities as Black men. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. So, George, brother, how you doing? Welcome. Welcome to Pulsing Black. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and how that place shaped your identity of being Black, a Black man. Definitely. Thank you, Christine. It's good to be here with you. So proud of what you're doing with Pulsing Black. That's my brother. So glad to be here with you as well. Um, yes, I'm George Davis. I'm born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I still currently reside here. Being here in Grand Rapids um, for me has been a very interesting experience. Um, there is certainly, um, I would say, strong Black roots and Black culture. Uh, my family is from here. Certainly they arrived here you know, through the, the migration north, if you will, for better jobs and things from the south, I would say in the late 50s, mid 50s, um, from Kentucky and both Tennessee and some family from Georgia. Um, and so we have always had roots right here in the heart of Grand Rapids um, in terms of the black community. And being here um, as a black male um, has really been about a balancing two worlds. And Kristen, you probably can like, note this or, or, or identify with the fact that there are two cultures that really exist within Grand Rapids, um, that it is, that being it pervasive, pervasive of predominantly white culture derived from uh, Grand Rapids' roots in Dutch settlers, if you will, and then certainly this continuing pulse of Black, Latino culture as well um, that kind of dominates different spaces of our city and our time. And so my family has, has been here really in a lot of ways since the beginning of the largest wave of African-Americans that have come for better life and resources mm. and opportunity in Grand Rapids and, and really have made a name for themselves. So being here and my Black identity being shaped in Grand Rapids has really been about balancing and moving between those two worlds. There's a great book on our city called A City Within a City, and it speaks directly to the fact of those two dominant cultures and ways of living in a lot of ways being at conflict uh, systemically um, in our area. And so my Black identity has really been shaped about straddling that fence, navigating both spaces, trying to be authentically Black in Black spaces, but also authentically Black in very predominant white spaces um, and having that uh, respected. Um, and it's, 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 it's always a battle. Um, I would say I've had the blessing to some degree of um, my parents being very intentional about putting me in both spaces, right? Like I went to private school um, when I was younger. We kind of like moved to the suburbs, still within like the graduate public school system, but yet um, kind of on an outlying school that was predominantly had more white students and more upper middle class, if you will, families. Um, but yet at the same time, they did the appropriate things to keep me connected. Um, to the central core of Grand Rapids, made sure that like we were consistently hanging out with family, 
in the core of Grand Rapids. I went to a private school, but and actually I went to a white church. <laughs> but at the same time, my father, being a musician, I traveled around to a lot of different churches. So, you know, I went to church on Saturday and I went three times on Sunday. And one of those was a white church and one was a Pentecostal church and one was, you know, a Seventh-day Adventist church on Saturday. So the mixing, if you will, um, of cultures with the exposure to the expression of culture um, in different spaces is really a part of who I am and really shaped um, how I was able to kind of ground, you know, myself mm. in being Black here in Grand Rapids. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a journey. What a journey. Yo, Aries. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, man, yeah. tell us, tell us where you come from. Tell us what Black was, where you came from, and how Black is where you are now. Okay. Thank you very much, man. George, that was amazing, man. That was, that was, um, that's been quite a journey and just listening to, you know, what you've, what you've been through, where you came from. It's amazing to hear. And um, thank you very much for sharing that. Mine is quite different from George. I was born in Kenya and I was, I moved to Orlando, Florida when I was uh, 10 years old. Wow. And so I, I lived my first, my, my early childhood is, uh, is that of, you know, Nairobi, Kenya. And, you know, I remember the, the times over there and everything, and it was a great childhood. And it really under, uh, shaped who I was as far as being, um, being an African um, male, being an African young, young male. And then we moved to the States. Originally, it was supposed to be my brother and my sister, my older brother and my sister to come to college, but the whole family decided to move up here. And mm. when we got here and when we got to Orlando, Florida, it was, it was definitely a culture shock, a culture change, and um, as one would expect. But I would say my struggle throughout my, my preteens, my teens, and my adulthood is not so much about um, understanding what Black is because of the fact that in, in Orlando, it's such a melting pot. There's, a, there's, there's so much, you'll actually find more Latinos than white people in, in, in many cases in Orlando, in Central Florida. Now, Florida, the outskirts around Central Florida, like, you know, where if it's not Miami, South Florida, if it's not Tampa or um, Jacksonville or Central Florida, that's where all the, you know, the, the white people, the, the, the Confederates are, you know what I mean? Like the, you know, where, where you, where, the, red, the red part of Florida. Mm -hmm. so, sure. That's where you. That's where you find the. Uh, but Orlando, Tampa, Miami, and everything. That's where you find the little pockets of blue. You know. Mm. So um, that being in Orlando, I was really able to kind of be um, um, insulated in diversity and not so much in the outskirts. So right. my struggle growing up was not so much about understanding what black is or, or understanding what what it means to be black or being around black people. It was so much a balance about how to balance being authentically African and authentically mm. Kenyan and being african-american around my black you know wow so mm -hmm. it was it was so much about understanding how i can you know be my authentic self be kenyan be proud of my kenyan roots be proud of my african roots but then around my 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 friends whether it's white friends black friends or latino friends you know people look at me as african-american so it's about you know do i change my dialect my accent do i do I, you know, talk in quote ebonics, right? Do I, do I, you know, a lot of people in high school could not pronounce my name. So do I change my name for the mm. sake of them not, not, not messing it up or, or having to, having to constantly, you know, correct them, you know? And sure. so that was the, that was the struggle I would say for me personally, when it comes to, to, to blackness, it was trying to understand how to balance my blackness, you know? Mm. So I would say that was probably the most defining parts of my, um, of my growing up because in, in, in middle school and high school my name is Yoweri right and right. Yoweri Yoweri is a very it's the name of the Ugandan president but then I, I learned later on that 
it's the name Joel, mm. but the, the name Joel bastardized in Africa, you know, Joel, Yoweri, Joweri, you know, like Joel, mm. you know, a lot of, a lot of people may not have been able to say that name. So, you know, it became a, a variation of it. So in high school, in middle school and high school, when I would say Yoweri, a lot of people say Yaori, Yao, yo, you know, like be looking at my name and just questioning teachers would have a problem pronouncing it. So I would just go as Joel when I was in, in middle school and high school. And a lot of people call me Joel, Joel, and, and I just made that easier. So I was very, very much African-American, you know, uh, mm-hmm. those years. But I think I had a rediscovery moment in college when wow. I just dropped the name Joel and Joel. The people who knew me in high school still call me that, but I made it a very, very intentional and very, very great point to tell people, my name is Joeri, and mm. this is how you pronounce it. And wow. everyone, once I came from college, once I went to college, everyone who knows me from college or after that calls me Joeri because I made it a point that that's my name and mm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to conform or, or, um, you know, change for anybody because that's who I authentically am. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, and- yeah. Just so that, the dis- that, that, that's my journey, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I'm just so amazed at even the distinction that you now have in your network. Mm-hmm. That be- depending that's on amazing. what people call you, it reminds you of what time and season in your life you met, and and clearly you turned a leaf, and you're like, oh, I knew you then. Oh, I knew you at this time. Mm-hmm. That, that's so interesting to me because that whole thing with names, that's a whole episode in itself that we could talk yes. about names because I often wonder if European white names that are hard to pronounce, like a Polish name, barely any vowels, are people being asked to go by different names or people just refusing to say people's names? You know, I just went through that actually, where I I went to pick up an order and the young lady bringing it to curbside refused to say my name. She pointed at the name on the bag and said, this is you, right? And I had to call back and talk to the manager like, I'm sorry. Do you know if I had to deal with that in every place I go to receive customer service, I I wouldn't want to leave my house. You know, there's something diminishing about not saying somebody's name right. And I think, I think, with that too, right? I think that in those moments, particularly whether it's a person of European descent or even another person of color, right? There's a level of fragility that that person is experiencing and being confronted with maybe just a level of ignorance that they're not willing to own and mm. don't understand that the reality is, is that prefer for you to pronounce it incorrectly so that yeah. then I could use that as a teachable moment as yeah. opposed to you to not give me the dignity and respect that I deserve as a human being to at least try to say yeah. it. And if, and if you say it wrong, then I could correct you. Yeah. Um, and I probably won't even be offended if you get it right. wrong because I indeed know that it might be difficult to pronounce. Mm. However, to not, yeah, to, to not say it at all certainly diminishes your, your dignity and humanity in that moment. Yeah, right. that, that's very right. true. And, and, and also, you know, on top of that, it also tests you as an individual because of the fact that from my personal experience, I don't know how other people are, but I think it was also an esteem situation, a self-esteem issue mm-hmm. when, when trying to figure out like, are people, when people are messing up your name, do they think my name is weird? Do they think my name is, mm-hmm. is, is, is off? Do, when I'm correcting them, are they going to make fun of my name? Is, are they going to make fun of me for, for being, you know, like you yeah. know, African or whatever it is? So, but, but when you, when you have that moment of, when you get your esteem back and you have that moment of refusal to be like, listen, this is my name. I don't care how you pronounce it. I care how you pronounce it, but I don't care if you misspell it. I don't mm-hmm. care if you make fun of it. This is my name. This is what you're mm-hmm. going to call me. And I am confident in myself enough to, to, to stand, to stand by my identity. And, and, and that's, that's something I think when I was younger, I did not have because of the fact that, you know, 
I want to conform. I want to I want to accommodate other people and 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 put myself on the back burner and that's not right, you know? Right. And as a child though, I can understand that. So if you're in school, I can understand dealing with other children of, of that level of maturity. But when your teachers are not affirming you, when you're getting it from adult as mm -hmm. a child, that's like a another layer because mm -hmm. it's one thing. Cause I remember being bullied in school and I remember some teachers who held me as I cried. I remember teachers who hugged me and it showed me that this is, an issue with these kids. This is not an issue with me because my teacher affirms my value. My teacher affirms my identity. My teacher is protecting me. She's letting me sit in her classroom during lunch so I don't get bullied in the cafeteria. Like she's creating a safe space and letting me know that is not normal. They're not playing a part in normalizing what is otherwise a very toxic environment. But so then I am so curious to hear how then you all in your journeys became Greek. And I know when I was in college, <laughs> first of all, I was confronted with the issue of the Black Student Union and the African Student Union, you guys. I was like, which one? Can I be both? And it's also almost like, no, you got to pick. And I was like, but why? But why? I am Kenyan. I'm African. I want to be over here and talk Swahili, but then I want to come over here and enjoy the step shows and, and be part of this, even though I really didn't feel I could be Greek. And I envied all my friends who were Greek. I'm like, oh my God. God, I want to be something. I want to, please take me. But I didn't even know what to do. And I didn't even know how I could start that conversation in my household. I didn't know who I could talk to. I, I just was like, well, I mean, I'll just enjoy from afar. I'll just go to the events and I'll just support. And, and that was it. So George, I mean, how, what was that journey for you? I know for a lot of African-American families, it's part of legacy, you know, how, yeah. how did that come about for you? Yeah, for me, it really isn't part of legacy. I think I had some subconscious knowledge or awareness of people that were in like my sphere of influence that potentially were Greek or just like at least identification with their involvement or membership, whether it be because I saw a shirt, you know, some paraphernalia or I saw a license plate. I think I was tuned in. I also had the blessing of my mom went to an HBCU. So okay. growing up, I always heard stories about Greek life and my aunt who was a Delta. And that was kind of, I would say my introduction in terms of even having cerebrally the, the idea of like, oh, this is something that black people do, my people do, that is just for us. And it wasn't until I went on a college tour, a black college tour, which happens in most cities, I would say at this point, and we did a visit to Morehouse. And that mm -hmm. is where I met, you know, at that time, a brother from Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And I instantly, you know, at 14, because I was in the eighth grade when I went, wow. felt like, this instantaneous connection just to the things that were coming out of his mouth related to his organization, but more holistically just about to the importance of higher education and specifically colleges that were meant to educate and to prepare Black leaders. I didn't end up going to a HBCU, but that was a very memorable experience. And then kind of fast forwarding, obviously, to my senior year of high school, we had a permanent substitute teacher in high school because... <laughs> They didn't want to yeah, get a that permanent person. Sub. Because, a permanent substitute. A permanent substitute. It's like, oh, your teachers, your one of your teachers goes on FMLA, right? Oh. Or he had like a serious. I think he had like a triple bypass or something, and no. so he was um, he was like out for six months. Wow. And so we had a permanent substitute teacher, and this permanent substitute teacher was an alpha. Wow. And he, I remember the first day in class, he came in. He had his crossing jacket on and was white, gold letters, and I, and she was like. Oh, I really like remember. 
and he played a very important role, I would say, in that senior year for me um, in high school, that when I got to college and then beyond college, Alpha was always in the forefront of my mind. And at that point, like, although there would be other organizations, no other organization existed for mm. me. Yes, Kappa was there, Sigma was there. I knew a whole bunch of Qs um, and some Sigmas um, just in being in kind of in the Black community here in Grand Rapids. But for me, there was no other organization that um, I wanted to uh, pledge my, if you will, my allegiance and my work in ethic and leadership and all those things too, other than Alpha from the time I was probably about 14. That's wow. when I- that's amazing. That is beautiful. I could listen to this all day. Yo, where how what, brother? How went the <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I don't know, George, I don't know if you you know, I, I got my brotherhood first shirt on, you know what I mean? Just in in, in a commemoration for this day, you know. So um, you know That's what I'm <laughs> yeah, 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 I feel you, I feel you. Hey. You know, I got so, I got my look. I got my <laughs> And it's funny when I'm wearing this shirt, man, like people, you know, they'll automatically recognize the brotherhood and they're like, why are you, you, you misspelling first? Cause you know, for the listeners out there, the first is, is P A I R S T and uh, right. for phi, you know? So, and they're like, well, you're misspelling first. What is that? For, brotherhood for, for, for first? And I'm like, it's, it's, you don't worry about it. Those who know will know. Those who if know, you know, get, you know. You know? <laughs> now you know. Wow. You know? Yo, Mary, so, how, how so, did, how did you come to be? So, uh, with, with A-Phi-A, man, it was interesting because I actually did not, all I knew about Greek life. So, um, again, coming from Kenya, Greek life is not a thing, you know? And, mm-hmm. and my family, there's no legacy. There's no, there's no family, familial ties to Greek life in, 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 in America. And the only thing I knew about Greek life was from Stomp the Yard. Real talk, mm. you know? <laughs> Stomp the Yard and, and, and maybe, maybe some, you know, some, some of the things you, know, you watch Sister, you know, Sister, Sister, but, you know, and a lot of these black comedies and they'll reference, you know, Greek life. That's all I knew about. Yes. Uh, all I knew about was from media. But it looked cool, you know? It, that's all. It looked cool. But when I went to college, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to understand what this Greek life situation is. So I went to college. The very first friend I met, real talk, the very first friend I met during, you know, uh, orientation was uh, a member of IOTA Phi Theta. Mm. He was an IOTA and he was really, really cool, really, really awesome and everything. And I was asking about Greek life and all that good stuff. But, and I met some of his, his, his fraternity brothers but like George said, man, like, you know, you, you know, some, you, you meet some of the, you meet Kappas, you meet Sigmas, you meet Qs and everything. And, you know, they're cool people, you know, it's a, they're cool organizations and their organizations themselves do really great work. And they have a, mm-hmm. a, a line and a legacy of doing amazing work and, and furthering the black cause. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about them because there's nothing bad about those, those organizations, but you don't. They're just not the first. You, they're just not the first. <laughs> they're just not the first. They're not the first, they're not the oldest, but also on top of that, like, you know, there's a personality behind the organizations, you know? Right. But when I met, when I met the alphas, when I met the, the, the alphas, the way they move, the way they talk, the way the, 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 the reputation they held in, in on campus and, and just the, the way I, I personally, my personality melded with them. It was, it was a no brainer, you know, like wow. it's one of those situations where I, I did not, 
I never questioned like, oh, should I be a Kappa? Should I be a, a Sigma? Should I be a, a, a Q? Should I be an Alpha? There was no question about mm-hmm. any of this. I, I saw the Alphas. I saw how they moved. I saw, I saw the, I, I love black and gold, you know, and, and, and I saw the letters and everything and, and just the, the personality of Alpha. And then I learned the history of Alpha. How many people have been Alphas? You know, Dr. King, you know, we got, you know, Lionel Richie. We have people, you know, Frederick Douglass, W.E.B. Du Bois. You know, these, some of these people who are pivotal in, in, in the civil rights movement and the African-American mm-hmm. advancement in America and, and the struggle. And you just realize, like, you know, there's no question, you know? Yes. There's no question about, about that. Yes. Um, and, and I just, I felt kind of at home there. Mm-hmm. I felt like I, I, I bonded with these, with these guys. So that, that's, that's how I got interested in Alpha, quite honestly. You know, wow. just, I saw them, I recognized them, I did my research on them, and everything just, just, just melded from there. Now, wow. um, I didn't, and I didn't cross in college because mm. I met them in college and I, I knew them. I, I got to uh, get to know them a little bit, and, but they got suspended on campus. Mm-hmm. Mm. They got suspended on campus. So, you know, there, there was not that option to be able to cross with them. There was a line that crossed while I was in, while I was there, but I wanted to be part of the next line, but I wasn't able to, they got suspended for, for a year. And I actually became a member of this organization. It's not a Greek organization, but an organization called Progressive Black Men Incorporated. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. Okay. So, and I found out, and I found out while I was going through the process of Progressive Black Men Incorporated, that they were founded by alpha men. And, you know, and I, and I realized, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm being part of this organization. They were founded by alpha men. And a lot of, a lot of people who are part of progressive black men naturally go on to be alphas. Yeah. And, wow. you know, it, it, it just also kind of, you know, solidified the fact that this is where I kind of belong. And then mm-hmm. after college, you know, I connected with the grad chapter. I met a lot of those guys. And then, you know, the opportunity came up and, you know, I, I, me and, and three other guys were, were chosen to be able to, to be part of the, the next line. And I, I do not regret it. I would do it all over again. People ask me many times, would you let your son do this? And I'd be like, I would mm. absolutely let my son do this, you know? Yes. You know as, long as, as long as it's a chapter that I trust, the people who are in the chapter are not fools or idiots. Right. And, you know, I would... Um, I would definitely let my son do it, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So That's my alpha, you know. Yes. Wow. Thank you. And and for those of our listeners who may not know what your Greek fraternity is about, George, do you want to give just a little bit touch on the history of your fraternity when it was founded? Some of yeah. you know, add on to the list that you're where he started of some of the key historical figures that are part of your brotherhood, so that we can get an understanding and then put it in context too of the affirmation that is currently in the air right now, even with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris being part of a Divine Nine sorority. Like, tell us just a little bit encapsulating history of what that all is. Sure, yeah. So Alpha Phi Alpha was founded in 1906, Tuesday, December 4th, 1906, on the campus of Cornell University. Mm. I don't even know anything about Cornell. Cornell is the smallest within the Ivy League system of institutions. Country by seven gentlemen, um, Dr. Henry Arthur Callis, Charles Henry Chapman, Eugene Kiko Jones, George Buddha Kelly, Nathaniel Alson Murray, Robert Harold Ogle, and Werner Woodson Tandy. Um, and our origins really begin first, gentlemen, on, on predominantly white institutions, right? If you look at Greek life in history, P 
period, most of the Divine Nine organizations are founded at Howard University. Mm. Ours being the first collegiate fraternity for African-American men, or Black men, if you will, was founded at a PWI. And that is, I think, a very, that's a huge distinction mm. that we make as, as men of Alpha, the fact that the journey to what we now know as the Divine Nine Greekdom did not start within the context of even Black communities and Black and in Black culture, right? It was this awareness and this need to create those safe spaces um, that we've all mentioned at some place in a white environment. And them being onlookers to the social, political, and professional benefit that Greek life had for their white counterparts and them not being able to fully access that type of network for themselves. And so Alpha was the first in making that happen at Cornell. And specifically, there's a a number of iterations, if you will, before we became a fraternity. And that really was the initial things was a social study club, right? It was an opportunity Mm -hmm. for men at at the university at that time to connect academically Mm. and socially and really speak um, and engage with life and do life with one another in a way that was beneficial to them and then that transitioned eventually over some time into becoming a fraternity if you will for us i'm sorry i think i got off on a tangent and you were you you asked another part of your question but yes i was asking for you to and and yoeri can jump in too about giving our listeners just a visual of why this is so important and how in the current climate as well with Mm -hmm. um, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris being part of a sorority that's part of the Divine Nine, like how Mm -hmm. this is just enriching and affirming our identities and how Greek life has afforded Mm -hmm. so many of the Black people in our community a place to be in their full selves and even when they travel and people see their letters and like there's an instant connection like i see you i know what you know and you know i know what you like you know that love that you know if i saw you at the airport i don't i have no way to connect with you unless i i have a relation but i see even in public when you all see each other it's something happens there's something special there now I would I would say and and thanks for the question. I, I just want to to iterate what George said, which is extremely important about you know how how Alpha was founded. Like because of the fact that Alpha was was not not just the first, but was like you said founded on in Cornell in a PWI. Mm. It, it, it's it, it also Alpha is also if you want to think about it in, in such a way, it's an act of protest. You know mm. because of the fact that that these are these seven gentlemen went against the grain in such a defiant way. You know. They saw white fraternities. Their Cornell did not have a lot of black students, and wow. to this day, and they don't. They, you know, it's still today, you know. Mm-hmm. But they, they didn't have a lot of black students. It was 1905 when these guys made the created the social studies club. 1905, man, you're talking about like Jim Crow and and segregation is heavy, you know. Right. And you're talking about in a PWI, and these guys created, uh, like you said, academic um, group, social studies group which then ended on to be this fraternity and that act of defiance and that act of protest mm. you know you take it for granted today but that was revolutionary back then you know right you know to be able to right. do something like that and not only be the first but just be the first african-american one in a pwi and and move forward with that you know like mm. it's, it's incredible you think when you put yourself back in that time and right and then you know when you when like you know I I didn't want to cut but George uh, you oh, know off of this but but you know to answer your question how has that you know rippled through you know done a ripple effect through history hmm. none of the organizations in my in my opinion 
none of the Alpha Kappa Alpha was created by was helped created by by Alpha Men and mm -hmm. a lot of the you know and when they started a chapter in Howard University, and you know in Howard University again like you said a lot of divine mind organizations were founded there. Um, uh, Kappa Kappa Alpha Psi was not founded in, in in Howard, but it was supposed to be an Alpha chapter. You know, what I mean? like it was it was created by people who saw what Alpha was doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, all these divine nine chapters. I'm sorry, but all these divine nine. You chapters right. He's he's digging it. He's get, digging in deep, like to some things that what? only yeah, that <laughs> only if you are Alpha, you know some of the things he's talking about. But wow. it's true. Yeah. You know. Wow. So, so I mean, it, it's it's none none of the divine nine. I I truly believe would exist if Alpha had not paved the way and started it. Through. Disclaimer, black people. I am. I do not know what with all that I, the politics. I am just no. And it, and, it, and it really is no shit. But but it's the truth. And and I would say too, right? The thing that so the other two organizations within the divine nine that are not founded um at PW that are founded at PWS are Kappa Alpha Psi. And then Sigma Gamma Rho. So Kappa Alpha Psi was founded at Indiana University, okay. and then Sigma Gamma Rho was founded at Butler University mm. um, in Indianapolis. But I would say, for people who know their history and do their history about our organizations, the thing that consistently is distinct, though, about Alpha Phi Alpha is it was not started at PWI, and you will see that its growth and trajectory in terms of establishing more chapters consistently was at PWI institutions before, mm. other than the beta chapter being at Howard University, all the other chapters consecutively after that, the spread of our organization happened to be at PWI institutions. And I think right. that's because we saw that point in history, the opening, if you will, of those PWI institutions and the presence of more black men or more specifically in those spaces and really needing to uh, decentralize our organization mm. spread out to other campuses mm. and make sure that we providing that same connection and, and um, spirit of brotherhood that was happening at Cornell at these other spaces that were not meant for our people and so I think right. um, as you already put out in the, in the beginning like our progress has consistently been pro in protest to there not being space for us in white spaces and creating space for us ourselves mm -hmm. there as opposed to waiting or only doing it within the insular, the insular walls of our own culture and group of people. Mm -hmm. Yes, and for those of uh, our listeners who don't know, PWI means predominantly white institution. Correct. And sorry, it's an acronym. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, it grips my heart because how many times have Black people had to take space? We're not given space. We had right. to take it. We had yeah. to form it. We had to create it. You know, how hard of a life has that had to be that generation after generation, there is always something we just have to take because it is not freely, willingly, happily given to us yeah, to, exactly. to, to thrive. And as we are on this show, I'm wondering, can you tell me a little bit more? Because I read a little bit, but I'd love to hear from y'all how your fraternity promotes pan-Africanism. How is your fraternity involved in relations that unite Black people from different places? And what work are they doing abroad and in many places that, that unifies the Black community? Because that's why, you know, we are here is to talk about how despite us having different Black identities, we share very similar, you know, beautiful journeys. Could you speak a little bit to that about how pan-Africanism shows up in your fraternity? Yeah, I'll let you go, bro. Well, um, first of all, one thing about, about Alpha is if anyone reads up and, and knows about Alpha, Alpha 
you know, again, being the first black, the first African-American um, fraternity, we get our roots from Africa, Egypt specifically. You know, um, the Sphinx is our, is our you know, official um, uh, emblem or, or logo, what you would call it. Um, we, we derive a lot of what we, what we, we do, a lot, of, a lot of what we are from the, the African continent, like I said, Egypt specifically. And so because of those ties, um, you know, we, we see ourselves from our roots, you know? Mm-hmm. Alpha sees, them, alpha sees our, themselves from the roots of the continent, you know? And, and you know, because of that, it, it, I think it allows us to transcend the borders of the U.S. Mm-hmm. and be able to, to, to connect with where we originally are from and the continent sure. that, that's there. And I think that's why even people from abroad feel a sense of connection with Alpha. Um, specifically and but you'll find it's it's crazy um one of my um uh, one of my fraternity brothers he met a a, a chinese alpha what you right mm-hmm. you would think right you're like what, what's a chinese alpha right like they met a chinese alpha and you're talking about like not on we don't tra- transcend to just other black countries or or, or you know the african continent yes. we tra- to asia you know to, to wow. europe a lot of people connect with the message of of you know pan-africanism but just the 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 international message of alpha in itself alone and that 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 defiance that protest and that diversity that that comes with it but you know alpha has chapters all over the world um i think the first international one was i think bahamas or or or, and there's one in jamaica as well the one a former prime minister of of jamaica was an alpha wow you know Um, yeah bermuda the uk london Johannesburg, um, Liberia, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Hong Kong has a chapter. Frankfurt has a chapter. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and there's that. There's that level of. I think because of the fact that we're founded not on a- American principles, but on the, on right. the roots of what of what you know the people of of Africa, you know who we were, who we are. Mm-hmm. And you know we transcended through the the borders of of our of of the country of the U.S. I think that connects with a lot of people abroad as well. Wow, Joy, that's, that's a really good point too. I think for someone who has right a lived African American experience, you'll find that Greek life as a whole, divine nine Greek life, is tries to fill in that gap of the dissonance culturally, mm. right? Because I'm living an experience that. I can't readily identify with other than through the transatlantic trade, slave trade and have that information and knowledge and realize, oh, this is how uh, my people got here. And hopefully at some point I can trace back my lineage. But I think um, the fundamental um, elements of our organizations and rituals and things that we practice uh, within the, these denying organizations, because they do harken back um, to African and specifically Egyptian culture and some rituals in that space, it is an instantaneous connection point, I think, mm-hmm. for us to roots that we would otherwise not be able to connect with. Um, and Kristen, you've, you've talked a lot about that, and, you know, in, in other spaces, but longing for that connection, right? Like that mm-hmm. space, like, I'm Black, and I understand what that means in the American context, but obviously, like, there's African blood running through my veins, and like, you know, I'm, I'm living out in some ways you know, the dreams of my ancestors, but I don't feel connected to that. I don't feel connected mm. to this landmass and these, yes. these other 
uh, cultural aspects and, and mores that, that take place on a whole other continent. Well, for a lot of people, for a lot of Black people, this is their way of doing it. This is their mm. way of making that connection. Um, and so um, I think that that's a significant piece of why, um, oh, why as a, as a Black person, a Black American, you are connected or you find yourself um, allured, if you right. know, by the idea of being a part of a D9 organization, because it does carry that. Wow. I am, man, I feel so blessed to just be in y'all's presence because I can't tell you how much I just, in, in college, I was like, and I was in a predominantly white institution, so any little pocket of anything Black, I just wanted to be in it. <laughs> um, and, and I was a, a biology student, even more white space. Um, once you were in the STEM, in a predominantly white institution, like, it was even less of our people there. And so any any time I would be in the student union, I just had to find the black kids. It was like cafeteria time again, like, please, my people, where are you? Um, and so in closing, what would you say the greatest gift your fraternity or your brotherhood has given you thus far? And, and what um, do you hope to give the next generation as a member of this fraternity? Yoweri? I would say the greatest gift that Alpha has given me so far man, is, is, I mean, so a lot of times in organizations, I don't know if you, if you, you know, um, relate to this, but a lot of times in organizations, people feel like you need to, you need to, you're obligated to connect with somebody else, or you feel like, you know, the, 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 the bond that you have with, with the people that are in the organization are superficial. And mm. it's oh, we're part of this organization. So, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to try and be friends, even though our chemistry doesn't match, you know, mm. I, I think that with alpha and it, and it's true with alpha, by the way, like just because you're an alpha, and you know there's another alpha member doesn't mean that you guys will get along or you guys are going to be like brothers for real like you know it's, it's like anything else you know human chemistry is a thing but i will say some of my deepest relationships at the current moment and some of the people that i've melded with the most met the most the most intelligent people the most caring people have been my my alpha brothers you know my fraternity brothers and i would never take those relationships back i mean it goes just more than it goes more than just the letters that i wear mm. on my chest mm. the relationships i've built the people that I've met, the care that's there, the history that I'm a part of. I mean, one thing is, I don't want to get too long into it, but one thing I, I wanted to touch on was, people don't understand that the civil rights movement alone, Dr. King, everyone knows he's an alpha, but it was a coalition of the D8. This is before the IOTAs were, were founded, right, yeah. but the, uh, it was a coalition of Sigmas, Kappas, Deltas, AKAs, um, Sigma, like uh, 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 Gamma Rose they were all instrumental in that that march across the bridge in mississippi like we don't they didn't wear their letters but it was a lot of wow. you, know, you know it was a lot of sorority and fraternity members who gathered their black you know mm. compatriots to be able to move forward this movement that has created so much so much of the freedoms that we enjoy today you know mm -hmm. right. and that was on the back of 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 the the d9 the d8 the the elite eight at the time mm. and i want to just say that so that's given me a sense that the fact that, especially today and yesterday when Kamala became vice president, that mm -hmm. the work that we do, number one, never ends. Mm -hmm. And there are still dividends being paid today. Yes. And we still have a lot of work to do as, a, as an organization. And as the mm -hmm. first, we have a responsibility to be at the forefront of some of these changes, a lot of these changes, a lot of these, these initiatives. And it's given me a sense of purpose when I see people who are like me, people who are like-minded, people who are progressive and want to make that change. And right. it makes it easier because now you have a group of people who 
move the same, who want the same thing, and now you don't have to convince someone else to help you and to move forward with these changes. You can just get together and then, you know, get, you know, just move, move forward. And it's yes. always better when you're in a team than by yourself. Mm. Yeah, great, great, great wow. historical perspective there, bro. And definitely, I think, right, like that, that element of, of the civil rights movement being undergirded by the elite at the time, right? You see that reverberate right through history now at this moment, right? Yes. With, with Kamala and her being an AKA and that being the first sorority again, like I think you will go back to both our organizations and like there's a lot of firsts that take place with members um, who are within our particular organizations, but I would um, dare to believe and beg that that moment um, that Joe Biden announced Kamala Harris as his running mate, like, if you mm-hmm. did not hear the energy reverberate throughout the Greek Ooh. community, um, we 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 missed we missed our moment. But mm-hmm. I would say we did not because we really banded together to make sure. And and, and maybe I should preface this: way. none of our organizations are monolithic, right? Like everyone stands in different spaces. But I do believe that when we see one of our own that is being honored, acknowledged, and pushed to the forefront, then that is our time when we come together as nine organizations and say. I'm gonna put whatever it is aside, purely on the virtue of what I know that you stand for within the context of the organization and within the context of our NPHC family, I'm getting on board. Right. Um, And and I think that that has been been shown to be so powerful and so pivotal no more um, than right now, you know, Mm. as of yesterday. And I do believe that um, we did our job as D9 organizations. But to answer the question directly, certainly with what Yoeri said, the brotherhood, um, mm-hmm. the greatest gift that Alpha has given me, I would say, is brotherhood um, and a platform in which to hyper serve my community. Hyper serve, wow. Right, in that, like, I have gone to, I've, I've established it at this point for myself that um, if I'm going to serve the community or be involved in anything civically um, or in leadership capacity, it's going to function or flow through the structure. Um, of the platform of Alpha because it just makes sense um, to do so or looking for that alignment, if you will, how do the things that I'm involving myself greater support the work um, that I do within Alpha or that Alpha can do or that I can bring to the table to further promote the missions and the aims of our organization um, or or how do I consistently um, access um, this network for further service or hyper service, you know, within my black community. I think those are the two greatest gifts that that it has given given me certainly. Wow! Thank you, thank you, brothers, so much. I'm like almost tearing up, you guys, and I thank God this is not going to be visually seen by the listeners because I I'm so touched. And as somebody who has admired the tenacity, the hard work that I see people in Black Greek fraternities and sororities doing in my community, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, they're not doing it in a way that only they benefit. They're they're doing it for me. They're doing it for my children, my neighbors, our community, right? And so just being a beneficiary of you guys' service, for real, I I am honored to have you guys be here to, to tell us more about this and how can our listeners support you, get in contact with you, follow you, if you have any um, social media handles, any projects you all have going or that your fraternity is promoting, please let our listeners know so that we can support and we can um, promote what you you have going. Yoeri? Um, yeah, thank you very much. Um... Yeah, uh, my handle, uh, Instagram, um, it's at dread.intellect. 
that's really that, that's it um my name yoeri on on facebook you should be able to find me um yeah to, to be able to support um alpha as a whole you know there are local chapters all over the country um especially okay. close but all over the country there's local chapters you can find and you know always looking for it not so much even like donations donations would be great but you know a lot of these initiatives when we're going out to vote some of the some of our programs we have are voteless people um you know back to school initiatives um mm. you know uh, go to high school go to, go to school go to high school go to college um we just want support and numbers of people to be able to help us when we are going out in some of these communities to volunteer sure. to mm -hmm. you know give back to feed the homeless and to be able to you know do community cleanups we just want numbers we just want numbers mm. to show up show out and you know do just just help us out in in the causes that we're doing and Wonderful. your local chapter in whatever city that you are will most likely always have an event that's going on every okay. week or at least every month and you know if you just come out show out that's all that's really needed uh for, for for us to be able to do the work that we need to do awesome george any places we can catch yeah. you follow you support you <laughs> certainly you can follow me on instagram at i am gd3 that is the number three um you can also see what my local chapter ada newlanda um is up to by going to gralphas.org um, that is our webpage. Um, and as you already uh, certainly eloquently put, we, we look for numbers. We look for you to support us by just engaging with the programs that we um, specifically offer. I would say a couple things. Um, March of Dimes is a huge national initiative um, for our organization. And we work really, really hard um, to, to stand in the gap in that capacity. So um, it, when May or April comes around and, and brothers are looking for people to make pledges or to join their walking team, we ask that you join those. Um, additionally, okay. if you know other young men that are in need of positive influences that need to have something to aspire to, mm -hmm. all of our chapters, um, you know, nationally and locally have um, what would we call youth groups or um, what we call here in Grand Rapids, the Alpha Esquires group. And this is um, a group from ages usually uh, 12 through high school that allows these young men to connect with other men um, who are in Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, we work with them to just develop stronger young men, right? Like mm -hmm. Alpha in, in our, in our in some of our language and our models is that we are the we are the the school for the better making of men mm -hmm. um, and so that starts with our first acknowledging um everyone's dignity as a man or as a woman um specifically and then coming into alpha should only um add to who you are we want to acknowledge uplift and certainly pour into the gifts that we already see within these young men but we want to help refine and fine-tune them um, so they have greater trajectory in every area of their life. So um, that would be, you know, my hope for the future in terms of how the greater community can support our organization. Thank yeah. you so um, much. Yep, wanna, you're ready? Yeah, I just wanted to thank you very much. Actually, George, man, that, that was <laughs> that was amazing. And and you know, for anybody who who may be listening, who may, may be in the Central Florida area, um, we have a you know, like George said, our mentoring program, Young Men of Distinction, is what we call our our our, our mentoring situation, our mentoring group. Our youth group, young men of distinction. You know, we we help young men who are in, you know, middle school, young young men between the ages of eight and uh, fifteen, to be able to you know learn better, to be able to to understand their path as young black men, much better to be able to you know be part of their communities as well, 
and that's one way that you know like you said we we as alphas we give back to the to, to the next generation to the future and we we build the better making of 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 men is what is what the, the school of better making of men what we what we call it so yeah that would be one way delta Zi lambda and orlando mm-hmm. that's one way to that's a great way to help us out that's awesome thank you so much and of course we will share all that information and link it when this episode airs we will accompany it with all your handles and ways that people can follow and support you so thank you so much brothers thank you for being here today thank you for gracing us with this invaluable information and seeing how it has shaped both of your journeys and to our listeners thank you so much for listening once again this is your host christine signing off for pulsing black hold on hold on hold on one 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 nine oh six and there you have it thank you very much